Well, thanks for joining me, everyone, and welcome to the live series roundtable. Obviously, we're going to be speaking about diversity and inclusion today, specifically from an uh, well interviewing and technical perspective. Uh, obviously, I'm joined by four fantastic guests, all with a wealth of experience, and we'll get into those introductions very shortly. Now, first and foremost, I myself, uh, I'm Sam. I'm one of the senior consultants here at Amicus, having spent three years uh, recruiting across the Python and data space. Amicus, who we are, as the name may, may say, uh, we're, we're a friend to the tech community. So a lot of the things we do outside of just purely recruitment are hosting areas for discussion and things like that. So that's the background to the live series um, and, and this event, I suppose. So I'll hand it first over to Asim. Do you want to give yourself a quick introduction, please? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Um, so you said, I'm, I'm, I'm Asim. Um, my main background is from uh, fintech. So I work for a lot of investment bank as well as fintechs. Uh, been a software engineering manager for a while, done project management roles, delivery management roles, you know, uh, and been a developer when I started. Fantastic. Cheers, Asim. I'm Ben. Uh, yeah, nice to meet you. I'm Ben Ivani. I'm a CEO and co-founder of Jobs ASI, which is building generative AI tools for uh, talent teams in house and recruitment. Uh, before that, I was head of data engineering at uh, Infogrid and uh, previously a bunch of other uh, data roles and going back even further I was uh, started off in recruitment for my sins so yeah a bit of a mixed background there. <laughs> Fantastic and uh, and Carmen do you want to give a quick introduction to yourself? Yeah sure thank you Sam. Um, so I'm Carmen I'm the manager of the data science and data analytics teams at Typhoon where I've been working for the past two years and previously to that I've been working as data scientist myself on several roles uh, in several industries going from retail to consultancy um, and before that, I I, I, I'm, I did a PhD in, in physics, so a long time ago. Um, yeah, and I'm super excited to be here today. Fantastic. And obviously, last but not least, Toby. All right, Sam. Um, yeah, I'm Toby. I'm a consultant CTO. I've spent more than 10 years working as a CTO with SaaS companies. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming and joining us today, everyone. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to be discussing um, diversity and inclusion. Obviously, it's a massive part of of, uh, of talent um, and obviously engineering teams. So the way we wanted to look at it was obviously during the interview process, sort of looking at sort of different strategies and maybe pitfalls and things that companies struggle with. Also a chance to debate and talk about good uh, and important topic as it is. So I suppose we can't start without understanding what DNI actually is. So I suppose for each of you, what, what would you class as diversity and inclusion? So where, where do we start with this sort of topic? Anyone yeah, want to kick off? I, I can start. <clears throat> so diversity for me means, um, do we have, how many different perspectives do we have on the table? You know, if I have to generalize this, um, uh, do we have, uh, you know, as many, as many perspectives on the table, um, or not, and inclusion means your own working environment in the in the office uh, or at the workplace. Um, do that, that, does everybody feel comfortable? Do they feel empowered to say anything without having any um, fear of repercussions? So, how healthy is your environment? Yeah, exactly. Oops, sorry, sorry, I'm bad. Jump on. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just going to say for me, I think you know the, the 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 easiest way I've heard it be described is. You diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is people actually speaking to you when you're there. So that, that's that that makes it easy for me to 
Fantastic. Lo- love that. Love that analogy there. So uh, I suppose then when we're looking at it from a talent perspective in, in a hiring process, you're looking at addressing the interview process. How do we start that conversation in terms of where does that start for people? Where does diversity and inclusion start? For me, it starts um, even before we post a, a job or list a job, even before we start the interviewing process. It starts with a job description. Um, depending on uh, several factors, like how is it written, uh, if it's very uh, qualitative or if it's very quantitative and so on, there's going to be more likely to have already a bias in who applies to it. There might be people that feel more kind of scared because, oh, I'm not matching all the requirements that are listed there, for instance. Oh, like, I, I don't feel like... Um, they are really um, including me in that sort of list or something like that. So in the end, a job description, it's just like the presentation of what we're looking for. And we need to be very mindful of how we read it. We read it to, to make sure that we are not excluding people from the very beginning. At the risk of making it sort of... Um making this sound a bit like a full Yorkshireman sketch, I would almost say that there is a stage beyond that, that we can sort of go one step further back, which is, it's not just the description of the role, it's it's actually the role itself. I mean, I think there's a lot of discussion about um, diversity and inclusion at, at the recruitment phase, but really the most important thing is to think about your day-to-day working processes and to kind of start from there. Because if you're thinking about your workplace and your working processes and constructing those so that they're actually designed to make diverse, inclusive communities feel comfortable and productive and at home, then that experience is kind of going to propagate to your recruitment process. Um, I guess I see it as a kind of build it and they will come um, sort of philosophy. So that instead of trying to force diversity into my teams, um, I'm trying to build an environment in which a diverse team can flourish and allow that to propagate up to the um, uh, to the recruitment process. And obviously, then the next step beyond that becomes writing the perfect sort of job description. And as you say, kind of tying into um, the beginning of that process. But for me, the primary goal would always be to try and make sure the role itself was um, uh, designed to um, uh, to be as diverse and inclusive as possible. I suppose as leaders, CTOs, engineer managers, uh, as you guys are, how do we make sure that that role, that's the case? And how, how can we put make sure that's, that, yeah, that the role is going to be applicable in that sort of way? How can we how can we ensure, ensure that? So I, I think there's a piece here. And I think, yeah, it's a really good point um, that, that you brought up, um, Toby. So I, you actually have to want to have a team that doesn't operate in exactly the same way in each individual team member. Like, I, I don't know, Sam, you've probably had briefs like this where someone said, can you get me another of X? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and actually that is that it sounds like, oh, we've got a superstar. Let's get another. Right. But the reality is, you know, there's this there's this whole paper around like the too much talent effect. I don't know if you've seen this where if you had a team of Michael Jordan's, it would be a nightmare because no one would pass to each other. Like, so actually you have to first go in with that, that mentality of like, I want to build a team that is not just hyper-specialized in one area, but actually a really good group of generalists, maybe sure in a specific uh, like, like discipline, like software engineering or data engineering, but has 
exposure to you know different experiences that actually help them build better products there's a lot of studies that say more diverse teams build you know better products and actually you need to make sure that you've got that in your culture in your team that everyone in the team is bought into that and 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 those are the sort of building blocks you need to do before you can just go and say right but like you know let's go and go and you know build a diverse team otherwise you're actually not building on strong foundations you're building on sand yes like like this analogy i love ben the comment of like why do you need diversity actually right when you're trying to solve one problem you've got 10 people that thinks quite similarly you're on a, you're only going to face a problem one way you cannot think outside the box because you're always going to think in the same way when you have a diversity of backgrounds a diversity of gender a diversity of cultures a diversity of things that gives you the opportunity to act pack the problem from different angles that meaning that you will be able to solve that problem in a way more fast and more agile and probably a more effective way as well so in the end what you want is to make a team not of the same type of individuals but that everybody brings something new and that together are able to actually rise up the level of the team suppose within an engineering or a product space has anyone got any examples of when that's been super effective when you've seen that i suppose change from everyone looking and searching in what or, or working in one way to actually seeing that divert div, well diversification actually becoming really beneficial in one has anyone got any examples i suppose of how, how that's worked i've certainly experienced the process of um trying to make teams more inclusive to be a real positive in itself because i think as carmen says you know having loads of different perspectives is really really positive but getting those different people to talk to each other and getting building communication processes and sort of systems that allow those people to work alongside each other in a productive way i guess uh helping michael jordan to pass to, a, to 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 his teammates is is a process that i've seen really really improve teams so you know looking at um uh, perhaps asynchronous communication me mechanisms or looking at the um, sort of language that you use when talking between one another, looking at the different um, sort of even technologies that you can use to communicate. I've really seen improve the, the ways that teams work with one another. And that's often improved not just the ability for a team to take on new perspectives, but even just within the same set of, um, sort of people that have been in the team uh, in perpetuity, seeing the improvements of the communication amongst those people from the same systems and processes that allow them to engage with um, sort of other groups has been really, really positive. I think the, the, the really obvious examples I've seen have been from um, engineers joining teams who are um, deaf or colorblind or, or of limited vision. Like these are classic areas when if you're building a UI, you know, your 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 you know your people who are, who don't have don't fit into those categories aren't going to think in that way and you know i know it's it's a very easy example for engineering because we see it all the time you know people still design uis that aren't you know it, totally inclusive and now there's tooling available that allows you to check with these things but yeah that that's a really clear and obvious example of when i remember you know at curve we had a colorblind engineer join and that that was just like right okay good actually he's immediately saw some issues that we had with with um like readability um on the app and was able to suggest changes to the to the design team um so that you know that that was great 
and 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 to to be to be mentioned that you know he 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 create tries to create an environment uh, where people can take the benefit of diversity i think that's a very important point because if you think about it people want to work with people of you know uh, like them um, if you consider sports uh, especially you know um, people are comfortable working with uh, people who are similar to them uh, but then uh, understanding what diversity bring on onto the table also needs the right environment to be there and the team to be educated enough um, to understand that this is the impact that this is going to bring to the table. I think you put a point of education there, Asim, which I think is a really important point, especially because it's a, it's such a a wide part of the engineering teams going forward, isn't it? These sort of topics and how do we make sure that it's then not just at the forefront of recruitment? It's not just oh, I'm bringing in this this team member, so I need to look at this, but then look at the whole, I suppose, the life cycle within teams and making sure that everyone is educated. How do you make sure that that's adhered to within your teams and, I suppose, followed not, yeah, throughout the whole time within your business? How, how is that something that can be can be looked at? I think it's a, uh, it's, it's, uh, it comes from top down, uh, basically, in, a, in an organization. Um I worked for various various investment banks, and one of the one of the uh, good examples that I have, without without naming anyone, um, was uh, you know when I joined that uh, firm, I had not experienced the the team you know the 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 environment like that before in a, in a positive uh, way. Um, everyone was an extremely good team um, team man, um, and that was the first time I actually got to see the benefit of uh, you know uh, coming f- people coming from various backgrounds and actually working together to achieve um and they are one of the one of the bigger names in the world probably the biggest name in the world and you know to get get to that stage the recruitment uh, process that they build i now understand is uh, has gotten them where they are um so i've seen it firsthand um recruitment process is absolutely necessary um, but the, the the what comes before that is what you know Toby mentioned earlier. You have to have the environment in the organization first. Otherwise, you're going to create conflicts uh, within the organization. And from an education perspective, how do you make sure that's running throughout? As you said, from the top down. So, how do we make sure that everyone is educated from the highest all the way through to your your earliest starters? How do we make sure that's something that's achieved? I think example is the perfect way to actually make people more open. So if you want an environment in a company that is inclusive, be inclusive yourself, like everybody, like it needs to go from the top and going down. Like how many um, LT boards we've seen with a big gender bias. Do you want to have a company with no gender bias? Just start from the top, like start yourself, just giving the example of surrounding your people, uh, surrounding you with people of uh, a diverse type of background, gender, um, whatever it is. So you, you, you need that. You need to show by example, but you also need sometimes to force it. There's not going to be naturally. There's always going to be natural biases in our, uh, in our industry. Uh, especially when we're talking about engineering, we're talking about data, we're talking about these things. There's always going to be some 
biased because we are a biased society that that it's normal but we need sometimes to enforce diversity itself so it can naturally grow into the company and then grow from there i think i think there's a really good point there because i think one of the big things for me is it's impossible to sort of talk to people about the promised land of you know that how good a more diverse team or how much better it feels when you've got multiple points of opinion and different people with different backgrounds sharing different ways of doing things until you sort of truly experience it and i think that sometimes especially in smaller startups it's something that's very difficult to get going at the beginning but actually you see a real difference and change in the culture when you have a more inclusive and diverse team and you see those teams perform a lot better so it's one of those ones where it's really difficult to explain why it's much better until you sort of experience it yourself personally and i think that's that's maybe some of the issue as well like you said there's there is historic bias and you can't correct the the those historic biases over you know even the course of decades right because you know that's where people's training come from that you know like their access to education um etc these things they take a while to propagate through the system so it, it's really important to sort of for people to see that happening um and 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 yeah that that was that that was something that i thought yeah carmen um and uh, i seem that really sort of stuck out from what you said yeah fantastic. and i suppose then it sort of segues us quite nicely onto the next step of you mentioned obviously kind of making sure that it's there how do we do that in the interview process then how does dni play a heavy effect or how does dni affect the interview process at, at its core then how do we make sure we're, we're, we're adhering to it obviously the first thing we mentioned was um obviously the interview oh, not the interview sorry the job postings that was the first level how do we propagate that then through to the other 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 areas how do we make sure it's it, like is there any examples of it seeing well or, or on the, the the opposite side of it performing poorly i guess uh i would take a similar approach to to sort of um the kind of first principles approach that i've taken to deny um in the wider workplace is if you want to make sure that your interview process is as inclusive as possible you want to make it sure it's as similar as possible to actually working in your company um because if you're trying to hire someone to do a role the more closely you can match uh the process of doing well in that role to your interview process to your recruitment process then the better your hires are going to be for that role and if you can combine that with making sure the working experience is supportive for a, um, a diversity of team members then your recruitment process should naturally become more sort of inclusive um i guess sort of to show some sort of examples of that perhaps um i've had roles where uh it's an engineering role and most of the design requirements are communicated in text and are assessed and responded to so asynchronously um particularly sort of remote roles um these days um and i've seen people do interview processes for those which involve picking up the phone and calling them doing video call with somebody and asking them to go and talk through a problem and that's not the skill set that's that's really being used in that role on the day-to-day -day basis and so people who don't communicate well um by video people who struggle um, in those environments are not being fairly assessed through that process for that individual role so 
on the complete other end of the spectrum, you may have teams that I'm a huge supporter of teams spending a lot of time pair programming, um, particularly in remote working environments. And um, if you've got teams that work like that, then doing a pair programming exercise over um, a video call is a fantastic way to go and assess people for that role. Obviously, you should think carefully about whether that working process is the best working process and whether you're excluding people from who might be good at solving the problems in general by working in that way. But once you've decided that's the right way to work, matching your interview process to that working process, I think is one of the strongest ways that you can go and um, sort of include, uh, increase the... Um, uh, the diversity of your um, sort of uh, hiring process. And I think the other thing that sort of comes naturally from that is if you are struggling with the education process that you've sort of talked about, if you're struggling to show people how having a diversity of opinion is going to go and help them, you're, you can actually use your candidates to educate people about that. If they're working on problems and working in similar ways that they would be if they were actually in your team, then you've got a constant flow of people who can show you what it's like working and seeing those different perspectives. And I think I've certainly seen teams that have actually, you know, used problems that are very, very close to things that they're actually struggling with in their interview processes and got outside um, sort of insights and perspectives on them, which you know, uh, somewhat feels like cheating, but is fantastic for the interview process. But I think I think you mentioned obviously communication there being a huge one. There's so many different types of communication within you said within engineering, especially now that the world has gone so remote and you have these opportunities to work with with with, well, with engineering teams all across Europe. I know I I work with companies that have that complete European team, um, and ha limiting yourself to as you said just a phone call or a video call can be so detrimental to not seeing the best people. For that, I think that's a fantastic point to mention in terms of making sure that if you're communicating, whether it be via Slack or any other text-based communication, that that's then replicated in your, obviously, well, vice versa, isn't it? It's replicated in your interview process rather than getting someone to do an arbitrary task and then expecting them to come in and communicate perfectly on a, on a call. And I think that's a fantastic point to, to pull up. And is there any other similar, I suppose, maybe skills that we've seen that have fallen short because interviews haven't been inclusive uh, is there anything else anyone that can think of that you can we can change or, or implement to, to to tackle one of the things that um it's quite common when we are doing an interview process for for data position is to give a home assignment um so you give a home assignment and you've got a few days to actually do it um and i've always found that that's that can be not fair for a lot of people, especially people with families, for instance. When you have time, you can dedicate a lot of time to actually prepare a home assignment. And you can, you can do a pretty good job instead of investing two hours, investing 10 or 12 or 20 hours into it. Um, and I found that sometimes we are expected to do so. And people with families, it's difficult when it's late, when you finish up your work, you've got the kids, um, so it's it's not easy, but it's not only about families. It's also about other things. Maybe afterwards you have other things. So it, sometimes that particular case, and, and I found that a lot, in, especially for data, it's not entirely fair. Um, so one of the things that I would like to do is try to come up with a plan that is as inclusive as possible for every possible situation. And also be very mindful that when you're interviewing someone, you're interviewing a person. 
a personal life with a personal space with everything and try to respect that as well because that doesn't mean that they need to do like whatever it takes to actually get the job the right person should get the job regardless of the amount of time that they can dedicate to that in particular you should be able to actually give a space for everyone so to be fair and square and, and get the job if they deserve to and then I, I like to flip that around and think of it less as like unfair, but actually like think as a business, how many people that you're going to miss out on, how many talented individuals that you're not going to be able to to bring in because you're putting a an extra um, requirement on someone that may disadvantage one group. So that that's the thing for me around this, this that's really critical is that you make sure you're actually you're constricting the number of people that you can hire artificially and reducing the 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 the, the likelihood of you bringing in a, a really really talented person um because the population's smaller and also i love how this connects to toby what toby mentioned before you want to match the type of job that you're going to do are we expecting people to work 20 hours a day why are we doing that during the interview process I think that's that's actually really really interesting because um, the the sort of the, the take home tests that people seem to hand out, and I will say I'm not a fan. Um, there's been a lot of sort of discussion that they are uh, more representative, exactly because they're um, sort of sitting at your at your desk writing code on your own if that's what's if that's what a particular role looks like then it is sort of representative but i think you're exactly right people miss the the ancillary factors that made that not like doing your role like the fact that they're actually being done alongside your role and that they're sort of being piled on top and not not least that yours is not the only position that these people are applying for it may you know you may say it's hey it's only a three-hour process and you know that's nothing in, in the grand scheme of getting a role but if people are applying for 15 roles that's that's significant as weeks and weeks of work that people are putting into just going through that process and so i think it is really really important that you think about both sides of it you think about how can we make sure that we do make this representative i mean i think there is one side that says if your role does involve sitting on your own in, in a box writing code and not talking to anyone perhaps you should think about your working processes a little bit but um you need to make them representative but you also need to make sure that you think about those ancillary factors that you're talking about i i also think that the the, the climate changes that as well right where at the moment we're seeing lots more like, like many fewer roles many more redundancies now if you think these processes are even more competitive there's more people so you're actually talking about like i don't know if you you know we often count how long it takes us to hire and you know the number of uh, interviews and the time that we invest in hiring but actually if you flip that round you know how much are you asking from candidates like how many hours of people's time are you wasting with some of these things if you're if you're going to ask if it's easier to say well a take-home test doesn't cost us anything you're passing that cost on you're actually you know really really costing the economy quite a lot of money if you're saying right you know 100 people do a take-home test we're only going to hire one that's you know just yeah not a good way of doing business in my mind i think i mean i would definitely double down on that and i would also say that um 
there is there is a real benefit if you can surprise people with the the both your work sort of work processes internally and also with your recruitment processes if you can really make candidates make your team feel like this has been received a lot of thought this is something you really care about that's a really good way to build a very sort of a, a committed and um sort of engaged team it's also a really good way of improving your uh your success rate when hiring people in a competitive market you want to have the best people you want to convince those people during an interview that they want to join you and if you can make it clear that you have thought about their needs you've thought about who they are and you've thought about how they fit into your team actually you can increase your cost per interview but you can potentially both reduce your cost to hire and increase the value that you provide to your team simply by making sure that you've sort of improved that process for the people who do come through it. Um, yeah, I think there's some really brilliant points within there, especially about identifying these problems within certain areas of take-home and, and pair programming. And because obviously not one process works for one role, not one role works for one individual either. Um, and I think one point that was kind of almost washed over by all the other good points was that with the bias that it can be i suppose a day or yeah the the biases that we, we've got how do we in an interview process then address bias because there's got there's got to be obviously we went karma mentioned um earlier how there is going to be a point where you need to address in a little bit more of a forceful way diversity especially it may be at an earlier stage or, or whatever it be how do we address the bias of that then so how can we combat or 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 prepare for for bias within an interview process sam um if if we take an take example of how you know sports uh, do talent identification again you know there's a term that they use which is something like um, multiple eyes multiple times i've heard this um, in in various sports and what that means is uh, you need you need to see the, the, those people more than once and multiple people need to see it and multiple opinions need to be formed about the person you're going to hire right and i think i think uh looking back at my career um i you know there were organizations where the interviews were just with one people or two people max and then there were some interviews where i had to um you know go to something like over 10 people uh, i met in the organization uh and in my experience when i've met more people i felt more confident joining that organization they have felt more confident hiring me as well and i think it, that works both ways and those multiple people that have uh, you know spoken to uh, within the organization then they become my network uh, before i even joined the organization um so there are multiple benefits of uh, this and i think that kind of removes the bias cuz a lot of those people were from similar background from 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 me uh, as as myself and were from different backgrounds as well so i think that kind of for me if i look back has been a good hiring process or one of the better ones that i've come across yeah i think that's a great point and I, i know a lot of things recently have been more geared towards a term i'm sure you've all heard of it but culture ad uh, rather than culture fit and i think that stems from the multiple eyes multiple times so sort of if you've got to make sure you've got so many people on that panel to to make sure they're all different but again it comes from i think we all identified that it needs to be different at the start anyway or else you're not going to get that that, that difference 
because <laughs> if you if you can't don't have different people in the team, then you can't have different different interviewers. But has anyone else noticed or seen similar outputs where that's been super successful in their in their careers of uh, especially in relation to, to interview processes? So sorry, the question was: Have we seen? Sorry, yeah. In terms of having multiple people on an on an interview panel, or or having maybe only the one or two, or have there been times where either one of those has been super successful for a specific reason? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's another good point in terms of having a diverse panel um, for the interview. You know, you actually want to make sure that you are um, following through on that. Um, you know, for example, I think um, I, we've had, you know, I, I've certainly, it's always difficult to hire diverse candidates in in uh, software engineering and data. And actually, if you don't have a diverse panel, then actually you're not giving a show really of of the fact that you're they're going to be joining a diverse organization. So actually, that's one thing that you can do to really change things. Now, again, you don't want to go too far to the other extreme and just based on tokenism or anything like that, make, you know, pressure people into doing more interviews, <laughs> you know, that would also be an overcorrection, but you need to make sure that actually um, people are seeing a, a representative sample of the people that you've got through that process. And actually um, for us, I've, I've, I've definitely been in situations where um, by encouraging people uh, to to join interview panels more frequently that we've actually been able to hire more diverse candidates more successfully um, without changing the assessment criteria at all um, by just them saying actually you were one of the only places that we uh, interviewed that had someone who you know uh, was was you know of a different ethnicity um, you know it it wasn't just a, a panel of straight white dudes um, so <laughs> uh, yeah I've certainly seen success in terms of securing um uh hiring uh excellent candidates based on that i guess i say oh sorry um uh, please go ahead oh thank you. um yeah i couldn't agree more with 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 you on these i think also i need to be both two ways right like like you mentioned that before and and you're not only giving the candidate uh, exposure of what it means to be working here but also um, you're giving the team the ability to have a voice. So you're empowering the team. If they are part of the decision, if they are part of the panel, you're empowering the team of, look, this is not a dictatorial kind of situation. We are a team and together we are deciding what is the missing piece that we need right now. So you're also empowering the team to, to, to participate and, and you're giving them the ability to also be more engaged in the future because they are being part of the decision. I think that's very close to what I was sort of thinking on this, but I would also say even, um, uh, even sort of further into the back end of that process, I've definitely seen when it comes to this bias discussion that it is easier for a team to say, or for an individual particularly, to say yes to somebody that looks exactly like um, a sort of a cookie cutter that they've seen before. If somebody who looks like themselves or sort of behaves like themselves, somebody from similar backgrounds or from similar backgrounds to people that they've worked with and hired before, 
that's a much easier yes it's a much easier way for someone to go yes i'm safe i'm sure that's safe i know i can make that call and if you're trying to make those decisions on your own taking risks is much is is a scarier process it's a more difficult process a riskier process if there's five of you having a discussion or three of you having a discussion and you can say these are my experiences of this candidate these are the things that i think about and these are sort of the uh, you can have that as a discussion with more people i think you can take more risks in that hiring process because you have more sort of layers i guess multiplies multiple times you have these layers of um, security and i think that makes it easier for you to hire people who are uh who perhaps look different from um uh your existing uh candidates your existing roles your existing team in superficial ways but who match the roles um very very well and who you think would would um, perform well yeah exactly. and i suppose making sure we as ben said you don't go that other way i.e., that that the tokenism making sure that the right person still gets the right role especially in earlier stage businesses or smaller teams that you've got to as we said we need to be making these these so making these more diverse teams there, how do we ensure that doesn't creep in then? What what things can we put in? What strategies? It, it's a really might be a really difficult thing to talk about or, or to think about. But how do we then protect against the the opposite? I think yeah, it's definitely worth stating that you know it is illegal to discriminate even positively during that process. So you know a lot of these things have to be in you know the total addressable market that's the whole point of the inclusion piece you can have to increase that total addressable market so that it's got um the entire potential pool of candidates and actually you, once people are in the process you 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 should be you know there are protected characteristics in law that you should be very certain about you know when you're going through the interview process that you're not discriminating positively or negatively on um so yeah that 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 that's the first thing um but yeah i think look you know I think you have to be clear that this is something that does matter. And I think that it's something that um, you would like everyone in the team to play a part in, in, in helping to solve. Um, and, you know, I, I think, yeah, that, that, that's, if, if people are bought into that, then, you know, you're, you're halfway there, right? That's where you start getting people who really, really care about it. And I think the rubber hits the road really when things get harder, maybe, you know, you need to make something happened quicker and you know people are saying oh that's great but you know actually we want to um we, you know we, we can't be bothered with that it's fluffy you know we want to we want to do this and the reality is that that is clearly a short-term trade-off that will have negative long-term consequences and that's something that you want to try and avoid at all points you know i'm sure all of us have been in experiences where we've had to take on technical debt and you know, for me, this is just team debt that, that that's going to build up over time. That's going to give you a suboptimal performance in the long term, and is going to become more difficult to change in the future. Now, you know there are certain realities, but you want to make sure that you're um, trying to build the team in the right way, and that you're not just going down the the route of the path of least resistance, because you're actually will build a worse team because of that. I, that phrase there, um, I can't bother with that. It's fluffy. I think is is really, and particularly, you know, we, we're talking about hiring engineers here. We're talking about sort of our our, our domain. That's something that I've heard 
a lot. <laughs> Phrase I've heard, yes. In a, lot of, in a lot of different domains, in a lot of different... But I think that's actually really interesting. That, that can be used both ways, right? That can be... I don't care about this sort of team diversity thing because that's fluffy. People don't understand the value to that. But you can also flip that round. And I've seen sort of, I've seen engineers coming together to make really, really good recruiting teams exactly because they view it like that. You go, what are the things that you're actually trying to hire for? Everything else is fluff. Can you focus on those? And I've seen really, really good hiring teams made up of sort of engineers who've, see the world like that and i think that's a really really good way that you can well i guess to come back to the question to both um cut down on the kind of tokenism approach but also to improve the sort of what people traditionally see as diversity and inclusivity um that kind of cutting through the fluff is a very strong way to do it i think we need to ensure that the fun we are not cutting the fun right like we are getting a huge one like we are not just looking for one specific person like there's no one unicorn and that's the people we need to find there's going to be several people and going to be um capable of doing that in different ways and other different things what we want in the end is to have the biggest final possible so we get the most diversity and inclusive environment and then we can choose from all that diversity environment why is a person who we think at that at this time at this point in time it's bringing the most value independently of any characteristics of the person i i completely agree and i think one thing maybe to call out is this idea of you know it's uh, it's really easy to hire someone who's already done the thing but then you're only going to get the people who've only ever done the thing <laughs> and actually like when we were doing the prep for this call i say i, I remember your your example was particularly poignant in the fact that you were you were put in a position where you hadn't necessarily done the role before, but you excelled, and that's a perfect <laughs> example of of that in action, right? That you're if you focus on the right things to hire for, yeah. not necessarily they've done exactly the same thing before, but that they work in that way, they think in that way, you know, they've got that leadership, that 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 uh, technical understanding, etc. I, mean, I don't know, maybe you, you'd explain it better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, one of the roles I was hired for was uh, a very se you know, senior role from, from, from you know, at, at that point where I was in the in my career. And I felt uh, after joining it, I thought, you know, I felt a little bit out of place. Um, uh, but because I was, you know, interviewed by lots of people, uh, you know, multiple eyes, multiple times, um, I felt confident that, okay, so many people have said yes. I must be, you know, good for the job. Um, that gave me confidence to go for the first three months. And in I got really good help that already I, I had a network of people there who helped me out in the first three months. And after three months, I, I was I was working independently. And, uh, you know, uh, that was, uh, you know, I ended up being one of the uh, uh, better roles I've done uh, in my career and learned a lot from, from, from that. Um, one important point I think that you know we 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 might we might want to touch upon here is uh, because we are speaking about this recruitment process, right? And typically companies hire a recruitment uh, agency to help out. Um, transferring all of this culture, this 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 you know understanding what the company culture is, and transferring that 
you know pushing that to out to the to to your to your agent or recruitment company is extremely important and that's part of um uh what carbon was saying you know in, increasing the funnel that's where the funnel <laughs> will you know uh, f- uh, filter in uh, lots of uh, relevant people or diverse uh, uh, you know people from diverse backgrounds so i think um that is also a key point of uh, you know to consider how do you do you do you work with do you stick with just a few recruitment agency or do you go out with 10 or 15 of them or um i i think sticking with a few is always a good idea and making sure that they understand your company culture yeah i mean that's a, almost a completely wider discussion isn't it how many agencies to go out to and uh, i'm always <laughs> going to be the advocate of uh, go for one and hopefully that'd be me but uh, obviously that's just my own biases going in as well isn't it but I? I, I think we as as Carmen say in terms of keeping that funnel wide especially when you're talking about going out to your agencies they're obviously always going to have a network that is going to be wider because especially the, the the good agencies you work with will have that wider aspects because because people that apply to your roles will come directly inadvertently know of the business there's been many times that I've worked with candidates that have never heard of a business and have then been introduced that have obviously worked out perfectly because but because you wouldn't have seen them or people might not have seen them directly otherwise. So there is that aspect of making sure your, I suppose, initial approaches, your initial funnel is as wide as, as possible. And I think... Yeah, yeah. My, my point was to go with a minimum number of uh, agencies because yeah. you want to then... Um, you know, uh, educate them about your own company culture. That was, that was, that was, I think that's an important uh, point for all of this to actually work out. Yeah. Yeah, People that are representing your business needs to know the business, don't they? You can't just Mm -hmm. be having someone that, again, yeah, of course. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. I'd I'd go a step further and I'd say, look, you know, if, if, like you said, this person is going to be representing you to, you know, the, the wider community, this is probably going to be their major point of contact um right you want to do exactly the same as if they were an internal recruiter you want many eyes many times you know build up that relationship have that understanding they know about the history of the business obviously you can't do that from scratch but over time working very closely um over communicating at the beginning for sure around um the team what's going on what's been happening in the business what projects you've got coming up all of these things are bits of information that um with the right like uh recruiter will help them dramatically to find people who who are going to be able to to help you with that and widen their pool of people that they can get in contact with and 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 pass on to yourself which you know should hopefully uh result in a in a better diverse candidate pool and 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 so if your process is good a diverse team Exactly. I think, yeah, it stems from the top up, doesn't it, as we were saying. And um, I wanted to, I suppose, ask a question, Zem, how many times have you gone out to uh, a hire? Um, obviously, with your, with your interview process set in stone, you want it in that way it is, and end up finding someone that's almost completely different to the original, not spec, because obviously there's always going to be a spec, but how many times have we seen it where we've gone, oh, actually, there is this, as you kind of said, four or five, six different types of people that can do the hire or do the role, sorry, Um but they're completely different to our original thoughts. How many times have we seen that happen? I mean, constantly, right? Like, I feel like there's, you know, archetypes sometimes maybe. And even then it's just, that's just us trying to 
compartmentalize, (laughs) you know, um, what is essentially every individual is entirely different. So, right. You know, and actually I think, especially for single hires, you know, if you're going to hire a one-off person or a specialist, I find that sometimes those are even more, um, you might not even know what that person might look like. You're actually looking for, you know, to speak with lots of people to understand what you're looking for sometimes that's that's certainly been the case um less so when i've been in engineering and and it's been more sort of focused and we know a little bit more like the the space in which this person's going to be but actually yeah like uh, it's very interesting to speak to people who've if you're going into a new area say in engineering and you don't know the technologies and, and and the background there like that problem's probably been solved but it's probably been solved in at least three or four different ways um and speaking to those different people might get give you a better understanding of uh what they've done and completely change the brief uh, to the to the pain of the 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 talent team or the recruiters um and may and maybe the interviewers as well but fundamentally you're getting better information and you know i think you should also be 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 happy to say look you know uh, we can improve this as we go it's not i didn't you know write it perfectly everything first time right like just as we approach engineering we can iteratively improve these processes and 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 specs yeah no of course and um i suppose then talking about constantly improving goes on to uh, i suppose one of the, one of the my favorite topics is what strategies then as engineering managers and leaders and, and ctos can, can we put into place to sort of further that constant improvement you said well one of them obviously there constant constant uh improving of an interview process but what other things can we try and implement or yeah uh, to make sure that diversity and inclusion is is, is being addressed sort of uh, is there any strategies that people want to bring and uh and identify i suppose i mean one of the first uh one thing that i like to do is when i hire someone is ask for feedback can you explain me how you leave the process what was what like we, we try to do that even if we don't hire the people but both the people like goes farther in the final but but just having a conversation like or like can you can you share with me how you felt is there anything that you felt that was off that you don't feel comfortable um is there anything that you think it could be handled better and by gathering these different inputs you can have a little bit of an idea of are we moving into the right direction? And also, I think we shouldn't take anything as static and stable. And we should always be looking for different ways to improve. So not like, oh, I've got the process, it works, doesn't matter anymore. No, let's try always to think about it. When you open a position, let's be very mindful about it and, and, and put some effort. We expect people to put effort into applying. Let's put effort ourselves also when we are um, opening a position. I think I would, I guess, reiterate that idea of um, sort of constant um, processes. So, you know, each of, if we start, like we've been saying at sort of the working processes within your company, how do you communicate what are the working processes for these roles these are things that should be reevaluated at least 
six months every six months every year to just go and say you know what are the underlying tool sets what are the underlying systems what are the underlying ways that people work together and just to make sure that those things still make sense to you still makes um still uh properly represent the role without adding additional requirements that aren't actually requirements of that role and then making sure that your hiring processes go and reflect those working processes and i think that's something that you need to do yeah again and again and again because those things will change over time your understandings of those roles will change over time help the sort of the uh environments in which you um are recruiting will change over time and just making sure those things are constantly sort of matched up i think is really important yeah no I, I, yeah i think we've we've covered some unbelievable topics and sort of come up with some brilliant strategies and had a really informative discussion on the on these things i suppose in terms of key takeaways um i think there's so many to to go from from especially the the many eyes many times all the way to the the fluff that that ben ben identified and yeah and everyone's put some main things i suppose does anyone have any like closing remarks on um i suppose the interview process of dni obviously we can go on for hours on, on everything within culture and pro processes that, that were implemented but is there any any closing remarks that anyone wants to make on on this topic um yeah i, I think as as an engineering manager or uh or a or a you know anyone who's in a leadership role being being the champion yourself uh, is really important and making people see it uh, is is also ex uh, extremely important. So you champion this initiative and make sure it's uh, people can see the benefits of it. I think that's that's the way the organizations would would embrace it and embark on this continuous improvement journey that uh, Toby you know was speaking about. Yeah, no, completely agree. And um, obviously, I just want to say thank you to to all all of you. Um, obviously, there will certainly be more events that we will be hosting on this on this topic, as always. And hopefully, this doesn't just obviously this will never just stop with with one topic, does it? And it goes on, and more more people talk about it, more strategies come out, and more more well better education as we alluded to earlier. So, um, yeah, thank you all very much. Um, it's been great having you on. And uh, hopefully this uh, this journey, continuous growth continues across the whole whole, whole network.